Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. As avid fans and consumers of Yumiko's quality and personalized dancewear, we are delighted to share their products with our listeners. Founded in 2002, Yumiko creates long-lasting and great-fitting dance and athletic wear of the highest quality. What began as a collection of leotards has grown into a phenomenon that has redefined the dance world. Be sure to check out their website, yumiko.com, and visit their flagship boutique in New York City featuring the all-new interactive color bar that you will just have to see to believe. Now is the perfect time to experience the perfect fit of Yumiko dancewear products. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail and hosted by Manor Vail Lodge, important partners of the 2018 Vail Dance Festival. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week on Conversations on Dance, we talked to Daniel Applebaum, dancer with the New York City Ballet. Daniel joined the company in 2005 and quickly became one of the most depended upon dancers, regularly dancing triple bills, morphing into varied choreographic styles, and keeping dozens of ballets ready to go in his mind and body. Noted for his intelligence, elegance, musicality, and full-out movement quality, Daniel continues to be an on-stage force and promises to be a mind that will shape the dance world in years to come. So we are so happy to finally have Daniel on this show. We've been trying to make this happen for a long time. And uh, sometimes it falls to the wayside since Daniel (laughs) is uh, one of my best friends since we've been 15. So we know that he'll always be at our side. <laughs> so this actually might not come out for years exactly. because you don't know. We might have this to could just be like, other... what do they call it? Like a pinch hitter or something? Like, like when you need it, it'll be in the back of like, you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping it. Um, it's so great to have you, Daniel. Um, we're excited to chat with you. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your first exposure to ballet and when you started dance. I think I saw a product, a local production of the Nutcracker. It was probably the Maryland Youth Ballet. I grew up in Maryland, mm-hmm. and that's a studio I eventually attended. And um, I 
went to the performance and I remember thinking like, oh, I want to do this. It's so pretty, like the tutus and everything. And at that point, I was like really young. I was probably like five or six. I was still like wearing dresses and everything. And my parents were super supportive of it. But they, I think, were a little concerned about whether or not like I actually like ballet or I like the tutus. (laughs) And they were like... Very, like, realistically, but not at all, you know, judgmentally. They were like, you know, you don't actually get to wear the tutus. <laughs> and I think kind of out of defiance, I was like, no, 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 no. That's not at all why I want to do uh-huh. this. So, so here. Yeah, so there. here I am. <laughs> so did you end up training at Maryland Youth Ballet? I did until I was 15. And then I went to school for American Ballet. Mm-hmm. So what drew you to SAB? Was there something about the style that spoke to you? No. I. <laughs> well, I mean, I learned later on that that was something that felt much more natural than the way I was initially trained. But it was much more the idea that I thought living in New York was glamorous. The idea of going to boarding school seemed super cool. Mm-hmm. So it was more the what the life that that afforded mm-hmm. um, provided. And then it wasn't really... And I knew that I wanted to be a ballet dancer. But at that point, I was still very much into American ballet theater. And like that was kind of the aesthetic that I was much more drawn to. And luckily for me, I went to the school because... That seems to be a much better fit for me. <laughs> right. So when did that shift happen for you at the school? Was it gradual it was, or? I think um, it actually happened when I first saw Janie Taylor do Dewdrop mm-hmm. in the Nutcracker in my very first year at the school. So I'd probably been at the school at that point for like a month or two. And I don't know if they still do it, but you back then we could... Uh, supervise the children in the production so you would get to watch backstage and so i was watching backstage and i had seen the production a few times and it was always wonderful and beautiful but then this was the first time that i kind of i was like oh like that's how i want to move it was the still to this day the craziest performance i've ever seen in my life janie and dude so beautiful it's the best i remember sorry to derail your talk but she's much more i just remember (laughs) seeing it and just like you couldn't breathe after yeah. your adrenaline is so no it high. was like the first time because i had seen many wonderful performances and mm. um at the kennedy center growing up and many beautiful dancers but it was the first time where i felt like my skin was on fire mm-hmm. like i was like oh like that's what you're supposed to feel like yeah and so ever since then i've like realized if you're not like a little bit wrecked after seeing a performance it's kind of like not that good yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the, isn't that the croce quote ballet is not good unless it's great yeah. I think that's her. So I love that. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you trying to make that transition into a new style? Was it something that you right away were like, okay, this is feeling better on my body? Or were you kind of unsure at first? And it was a little challenge for you? It was a challenge in that I think um, the technical uh, focus of where I was trained was much more based on um, a, what's the word? kind of an organic placement as opposed to an aesthetic placement. So I didn't really have that aesthetic placement, you know, the turnout, the um, weight forward over the balls of my feet, the neck kind of held up and forward and like kind of the face moving out into the audience. So all of that, it just took a lot of focus and watching. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm still trying to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's so important about you being at SAB and being able to watch all those performances night after night. Not everyone's exposed to that. So it's a great learning tool for students. And I think that the school is so fortunate in in that they have so many different faculty members who kind of approach the same aesthetic through different, um, avenue so you know someone like Susie Pilar really spoke to me Mm -hmm. and so everything that she said kind of felt like it made sense Mm -hmm. and so kind of that was my um 
entry point into the balancing technique, I think, was, you know, watching her classes and kind of understanding, like, oh, like, that's what... I, I like I understood how it was supposed to look, mm-hmm. but I could never look in the mirror and make myself look like that. Right. And so kind of he- hearing her speak and teach the students, because we ne- the boys didn't get her. Right. But watching her classes really... She was always like teaching before the math yeah, yeah. class. So that and was... so we would go down early and mm-hmm. <laughs> watch. So um, three years after joining the School of American Ballet, you were invited to be an apprentice at the New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like being a part of an organization at that point that you had idolized, how how much did it differ from what you had imagined? Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, that was mostly me and my own insecurities and my not feeling like I was up to snuff and not feeling like I was capable of doing all these things. Um, but that, and also the group I was with, I was with a lot of close friends, but we, we were all kind of terrified. So mm-hmm. I think we kind of fed off of each other and that yeah. wasn't... Helpful. In the no. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you were there that year, though? There were 10. That's a lot. Yeah. How many normally are there? At a I time? mean, 10 there's is the max. 10 is the max. Oh, okay. So, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And then how many people ended up getting into the company of your 10? Eight. eight. Wow. And yeah. of those eight, I think the only ones left are Giovanni Villalobos, me, and Tyler Peck. Marika? Oh, and Marika. Mm-hmm. Marika Anderson, too. My roommate. Yeah. Love her. I forgot that she was in my Your own roommate. (laughs) How dare I? (laughs) Balanchine is a choreographer so many revere, and there are so many different interpretations and thoughts on his work and how it should be danced today. What ideas do you turn to when dancing his ballets to maintain authenticity, but create a performance that still matters to today's audience? I think that... um, the good thing about Ballantine's work is that fundamentally and structurally they're timeless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think also the technique, the reason that dancers I think partially are so good now are mm-hmm. because of the innovations that Ballantine made. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The legs are higher. Like all the stuff that Ballantine did, the turnout, the presentation of the heel, the placement of the feet, it's was his, you know, idea to push those aesthetics and ideals mm-hmm. forward. So I think that um, in order to kind of do the ballets justice, you have to dance them through that gaze and with that technique, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that um, anyone, anytime you step on stage and are uh, actively responding to the music and actively responding to the people you're dancing with and responding to the steps in a real way, even if you're dancing it with an ideal that maybe the person is dead, it's still current because Mm -hmm. you're current and you're still a person of today listening to music played by musicians who are living today. You know what I mean? You're not dancing to record music. Mm -hmm. So it's all, even if it's, there's an element of the past that I think is important to kind of keep the ballets Mm -hmm. looking good. The fundamental fact is we're doing them now. So they are now. Right. Um, since Justin Peck's first creation for New York City Ballet, you've been a really integral part of his um, works for the company. Um, why do you feel that Justin's works um, speak to you? And what about your working relationship with him has made things click so well? Um, well, Justin and I were friends before he started um, uh, choreographing for the company. So I think, and I mean, I don't know why he picked me, but I think he's... Uh, likes to make sure that there's a certain energy in the room and mm-hmm. 
I think you can see that in the ballets. Mm -hmm. The kind of community that he creates in the studio definitely translates to what happens on stage. Um, I think that what I appreciate about Justin is that um, I think any good, you know, theater director or choreographer or, you know, music director, whatever, fundamentally their job is to get everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. And I think Justin is incredibly musical and his steps are wonderful and he's absolutely brilliant. But I think beyond all that, he's so good at kind of galvanizing the troops and getting everyone on the same page. So when you watch his ballets, it's not like a lot of times you'll see a Valentina Robbins ballet where people are kind of interpreting it Everyone is doing their own idea of the ballet. We're all dancing one point of view, and I think that there's something super powerful about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love you. I mean, I love your dancing always, but I love watching you in his ballets. It's so fun. I mean, there's some of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And they feel special because um, there's something about his works, too, where everything is so extreme that you never really feel like it's all there. You're kind of striving to always get that little extra push your position in it and it's also fun to see how he's kind of um evolved since mm-hmm. he started you know it's it's softened you know the shoulders have softened the use of the hands and the arms has softened a lot and i think that that's like really beautiful mm-hmm. you're in a sneaker a little more often now which i'm fine with yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally but he's also started to explore um you know I think part of what made him put him on the map was certainly his knack for moving large groups oh. and um, how like the, the, his use of imagery was so um, individual. Um, but now he is he can make a ballet that's more romantic, like Belle Lettres, yeah. and then um, Pulcinella is very it's like his nod to classical works. But you get to be there along for the ride yeah. the whole time, and it's special because. In his ballets in particular, I feel like when you make eye contact with somebody you're dancing with, you're actually looking at them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just thinking like, I don't know, it just feels much more like you're someone dancing with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you're a character. Yeah. Not that in a balancing ballet I feel ever like a character, but I can feel almost like a vessel in a good way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a vessel for the music, a vessel for the choreography, a vessel for his vision. But in Justin's, I feel like myself. Right. So well put. <clears throat> so as one of the most depended upon members of the senior corps, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have an incredibly grueling schedule. You've danced so much of the repertoire, so they need you for that. You also are very smart and have a knack for remembering counts and specificity of what these steps are meant to Who's be. telling you all this information? I know this about you. <laughs> um, but then you are also put forward for soloist and principal roles. It's kind of like doing two jobs at the same time. So how do you balance those two um, sides of your career at the New York City Ballet? Um, I guess I never really thought of it as balance. It's kind <clears throat> of what my lot is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know anything else. You know? <laughs> I see what other people do and um, it might look more appealing or less appealing than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But... I have no way of actually knowing it's not your firsthand. Lot, so. Exactly. It's just, this is <laughs> oh, what I've been given. So I just don't, I don't know. It's not something I've ever really thought about. I just mm-hmm. kind of approach the work and try to give everything. Any th- time I'm on stage, I try to give as much of myself as I can and mm-hmm. try to give the role, you know, integrity through, you know, how I approach it, making sure that it, in my opinion, like looks how it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can help other people along the way, along the way, that would be nice. But, 
Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Right. (laughs) So one thing that we've talked about a lot is just things that you've done a lot. For example, like Snow and Flowers isn't Mm -hmm. as exciting your 20th year as it was the first. So how is it that you're able to kind of continue to feel motivated and really throw yourself at roles since at New York City Ballet, you guys perform all the time and you do a lot of the same ballets year after year. So how do you kind of keep it feeling fresh? Um, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've done Stravinsky Violin Concerto now for probably like 12 years. And I think I've maybe, went, whenever it comes back, I've probably missed like two shows. Wow. That's actually, I went out and then Justin got his contract because he went into the two ballets I went out. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. allowed Exactly. Justin it's all to- because of me. Yeah. Um, He's you know. really just paying back the exactly. favor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that ballet is interesting because the music is so amazing, the, the choreography is so amazing, but it's not challenging, mm-hmm. you know, physically or technically. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that one, it's kind of the, like the, what what I've learned <laughs> the older I got is it used to be when I was younger, you know, I tried to like amp myself up mm-hmm. and like get myself revved up for a performance and try to have a lot of energy. And now I've kind of realized that wherever I am in that moment is where the performance what you is. should bring. And so I just have to be true to how I feel in that moment. Mm-hmm. And anytime I tr- feel like I try to push against that, I feel like ter- I feel terrible. Right. So I just have to accept really. the the moment that I'm in and dance in that moment. Mm-hmm. Even if it feels a little lethargic, you know, mm-hmm. I can still tap into that and make it something that hopefully doesn't look lethargic. Mm-hmm. That's so great because it's true. Some of those, I mean... I remember a lot of moments where after a really hard weekend of shows, you have to do something on the last day and you, uh, you almost like mess yourself up in your head because you're like, I'm so tired. How, how could this yeah. possibly happen? And then you try to switch it, but maybe just going with yeah. it and like letting a natural it take response. you. Yeah. Yeah. And just because it's like what I was saying before about, you know, how do you keep the balancing ballets alive today? It's mm-hmm. that you're being yourself and you're responding in that moment how you are. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, you know, like when people say like, my least favorite thing like uh you know i just go out there and like something happens not something happens it's like it's different every time and i think that it that can be a misconception because i think you know when someone like sarah mern says it's different every time it's because she doesn't know like how far she'll reach or the energy that she'll bring mm-hmm. but she has technique and is striving to do the steps correctly right <laughs> you know what i mean and so right. um but i think other people say when i get out there um i don't know what happens it's because fundamentally they're just not they respond. Don't yeah. know what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> so I think you still have to kind of tap into the task at hand. Right. But then on top of that, you know, you're free to interpret based on where you are and how you are feeling that day or like that point in your life even. Yeah, that's true. That shifts as well. So we've already talked about how um, you have such a great mind for ballet that you really count stick. You remember... No, you really, <laughs> I feel Not like I yesterday. could ask you a ballet you did like 15 years ago and you would know the counts. Yeah, yesterday we were watching you work in increases and you were just like, and it's this and this. It was so great. It was concise and great corrections. And yeah, it was so fun to watch. So would you ever, do you see yourself pursuing that as a second career? Would you want to be a ballet master or stage ballets? Um, it seems like a very natural fit I, for you. Uh Richard Tanner, who's a balancing repetitor, was always super encouraging of me to kind of pursue that. Mm. And he was always really wonderful to me. Um, Mm. But I think that, yeah, I would love to in that I love ballet and I would love to pass on what I have to give. But I think that, you know, it's a very uh, 
precarious time, not precarious time, but it's an unknown time for New York City Ballet right now. So mm-hmm. we don't know what the future will hold. So you're not thinking. It's hard to think that far. Exactly. Three steps ahead. Exactly. But I mean, I think ideally, yeah, I think I love ballet. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to like somehow stay with, involved in ballet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think um, I'm much more suited to working with adults. And I think I'm much more suited to working um, on steps and in interpretation than I am, you know, telling somebody how to do a tondu for the first right. time. Like teaching, <laughs> right, oh, in God. class. Preaching to the squire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can, so do you feel like if you were to get an opportunity, if someone were to offer that to you, you would jump at it oh, and yeah, give it absolutely. a try? Yeah. Why not? Why not? That's great. <laughs> You're just too busy now. I'm sure, like, everyone... I mean, you would be my first pick for anything if I were a genius choreographer. But you're just, you're, Unfortunately, you're, he's not. <laughs> we don't know. I've never tried to choreograph anything. No, you I did that one. Oh. <laughs> All right, you did. We watched I the did. video. Um, you spoke very eloquently uh, to the New York Times recently about your experience performing the Pas de Deux in a Peck Ballet mm-hmm. called The Times Are Racing. Well, it was originally created for a male-female duet. Justin cast it last fall with two men. Uh, why was this important, both personally personally and to your audience to participate in that um well personally it was important because it was nice to do a parada and i think this is exactly what i said in the article it was nice to do a parada and actually dance with somebody that i could fall in love with mm-hmm. and not have to pretend mm-hmm. and i think that added like an extra layer of um immediacy for me in reality that i think not a lot of gay men are afforded when they're um in a classical ballet company i think um it was, in terms of like why it was important for our audiences, I think that New York City Ballet doesn't do that much um, in terms of, you know, showing same-sex relationships or the visibility of what a couple looks like on stage and how um, a loving interaction can happen between two people isn't the broadest thing that happens in New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of other people, there was an uproar saying like, well, this has been happening in Europe forever and like other companies have been doing this, which fine, Great. fabulous. We haven't. Mm-hmm. So I think for, and our audiences who, you know, see New York City Ballet a lot, uh, haven't had access that to that either. So I think in terms of my bubble and my sphere and, where, and my world, it was important, I think, for us to explore um, what it is to, uh, you know, show what a beautiful relationship can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ballet is so much about, like, the ideal of how two people can interact. Mm-hmm. And so you never see kind of that ideal interaction between two men or two women in that kind of romantic way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I mean, it also was just, I love dancing with Taylor. I mm-hmm. love doing that potada. I love doing the, that pot, uh, potada with Tyler Peck as well. Right. It's not like... But the audience response, I think, was something that was really notable and special. Oh, that was people, definitely like the highlight of my career. Right. <laughs> but people were really... Yeah, they got it. That's what was cool. It was it, it was an important moment for you and for those that were close to you, are close to you. Um, but then I think it was great to see a, an audience respond to it yeah. so positively. Yeah. And I think overall that ballet too is um, very... It moves people mm-hmm. and for some. Um, so great. It's beautiful. And I remember the first time I did the pas de deux with Tyler Peck, I was thrown on uh, last minute. That was the one we went and saw, right? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the one? Yeah, we were there. We saw it. It was great. <laughs> I um, saw both. I'm, I only saw one. I'm a real I'm Daniel. I'm an Applebaum stan. <laughs> <clears throat> 
But someone came up to me afterwards. He was walking with his boyfriend and he was, he thanked me and he was crying. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow. And his boyfriend was kind of just like, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that ballet really moves people. And that wasn't like, that wasn't um, a singular experience for that ballet having danced it, you know, many times. People really feel moved by, you know, seeing. There's nothing more beautiful. I remember the first time, I, not the first time I did it. It was after the premiere. So it must have been in February. It was right after I broke up with my boyfriend. Literally, I had to go downstairs. I was on the phone, mm -hmm. go downstairs, get into costume and go on stage. And I was like sobbing. Mm. And the huddle that the ballet starts with is just like... Everyone <laughs> cries on this podcast. That's allowed. So your turn. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like... Really, the most beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is so beautiful. Oh, you make and me you just cry. feel like. And I was still doing the court at that point. It wasn't doing the principal, but just the energy. And I, you still feel it when you're doing the principal because it's all of you together. Yeah. It's just so because you're all touching each other. Mm -hmm. It's not just like you know you look around and see people. There's like a physical touch right. and a support, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. How does how is that oh, for God you? Damn you guys! You're <laughs> <laughs> like Barbara Walters over here. <laughs> so what else? Do we want to talk about your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> so like you're talking about when you do the principal, you're also in that huddle moment, and that's something that Justin often does is have the principals go in and out of the core. How is that for you um, having these opportunities as a principal dancer in those ballets, but also still getting to connect with the core and with the group in that way? I think that's what makes this ballet so special because I think that um, it's not, uh, there's a genuine connection between everyone in the ballet. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. when you look around, there's no one who's unimportant. Mm -hmm. And I think that same is true for a balancing ballet, but um, it's very clear. There's still a hierarchy. And there's yeah. a very clear hierarchy in balancing ballets. And I think, not that there isn't a hierarchy in Justin's ballets, mm -hmm. but um, no one's too good for anything mm -hmm. in a Justin mm -hmm. ballet. Right. You know what I mean? You can be the principal, but then all of a sudden, you know, for example, in rodeo, you're the principal, but you're lifting somebody else and t tossing them around. And <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Right. And often the costumes are very similar too, which I really like yeah. too, because it really allows that. I mean, sometimes they're a little bit different, but yeah. it really like, allows the you just to kind of like the girls don't have a sleeve and that the right, sleeveless exactly. girls are principal. It's, it's like super so, small. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool mm -hmm. to see that. Yeah. You know, I used to think that this was such a, what was me like oh boo hoo you got promoted thing uh you know i miss being in the core i miss like being on stage with my friends and like it's so much harder when you're out there by yourself and it's scary <laughs> i was like okay no but then now that i've retired <laughs> i do think it would be i don't know i would miss you that support very... system and yeah. um i think that's kind of beautiful that justin still offers that yeah. to those people because oh yeah i mean that's i just did allegro Brillante um, in Nantucket on a gig at the, I think it's called the Nantucket Athenian Dance Festival. Mm -hmm. um, it's Tyler Angle's gig. And yeah, I was getting to dance with all my best friends. Mm -hmm. There's just, and, and the best ballet. There's nothing yeah. better the than best that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that ballet. Yeah, for sure. Daniel oh, didn't do it until he was very old. I too. was like 50 when I did it. <laughs> Actually, I, I just debuted in Bizet, Symphony and C, First Movement Demis. We're at 50. At 50. And I think I'm the oldest person to ever debut a Demi. <laughs> we're really, actually, we're really excited because we, Daniel, uh, he could set a record here as the first person to do all four Demis. So we're he's going to ask for his retirement show to do at second, 60 yeah. <laughs> um, to do Second Movement Bizet because he's Amazing. done first, third, and fourth. That's so. great. 
Yeah. We were talking about top five. Let's choose a top five, top five balancing ballet. Five ballet. Let's do it. To dance or to watch? Just mm-hmm. balancing? Um, let's do balancing to start with. Let's narrow our yeah. scope. Okay. Yeah, to, dan- to dance. To dance. To dance. Okay. Allegro's in there. Allegro's in there. We don't have to maybe number them. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Allegro's in there. What do I love doing? I love doing camera music. We've never uh, no, we never did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, but I love doing square dance, but you bizarrely never have never danced. Never danced. What? It was, it was all the shortest people in the company, and or like the timing of that. I don't know. I mean, I, if, you, things happen. Like I never actually thought I was going to get to do Allegro or Diamonds Demi's either, and mm-hmm. you know, here I am, still doing them all these years later. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Allegro did much later, but uh, Allegro is definitely in the top. Jules, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Jules isn't in my top to dance, no. but no. I don't get to do rubies. I, love, I forgot. I do love dance doing diamonds. Doing... Diamonds is beautiful. But... Oh, yeah. yeah. Slow. But... That music is the mm-hmm. best music to dance mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I mean, every balancing ballet, when you're doing it, feels like the best one to it's dance. That's true. Yeah. But um, there's... Love... I mean, Stravinsky is a great ballet to dance. Yeah. I've never done it. I love it. I want to. I want I... to. <laughs> Someday. We, I never did Agon, which mm. is sad. Agon is... One, one of your dance. that yeah. opening is like you're so good in the opening. We're gonna just gonna post a video <laughs> in the opening. I yeah. started I started crying in the opening of Agon watching Dave. Oh, that is like literally the weirdest time to cry ever. <laughs> it's an unemotional piece. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. But you were so beautiful. Thank you. No, I love doing Agon so much. Um, all the the black and white <clears throat> the black and white ballads yeah. yeah. are very special. But you know, when I first got in, I got to do. I mean, I wasn't that young, but um, when I did Brahms Schoenberg Quartet, the first movement mm-hmm. core is one of mm-hmm. the most fun things to dance because that music is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do so many great ballets, but it is it does sadden me that certain things were beyond our reach. Like we, right. uh, we just couldn't have handled Brahms. Mm-hmm. Or, it's a big ballet. Yeah, or Vienna. Or Vienna, yeah. Union Jack. Oh, actually, Union Jack, <laughs> I love doing. It, it, Vienna, um, doing the three couples in the first waltz is one of my favorite. Oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, especially when I got to do that with Gwyneth Muller, who was one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. That was heaven. Mm-hmm. And you get to wear a mustache, too. That's less fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little itchy. You know, it's just like the spirit gum, and then you have to do quick changes, and then there's gum stuck on your face mm-hmm. for the whole rest of the show, and you don't feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all you want to do is feel beautiful in those costumes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, funny. But if Vienna's a ballet, Rebecca and I could still dance. Yeah, in a nice heel. That, what else could we do? That's slaughter? it. <laughs> oh, I could do slaughter. Slaughter, there's lots. I probably be second. I don't though. think I could still do slaughter. That's like high energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was singing hoofer and. Oh, and oh I was definitely a... thinking the core. <laughs> oh, I definitely. You no. cap? Yeah, now I do. No, I, <laughs> I wear a sneaker every day. No, so I was telling Rebecca, I was like, my gauge for how out of shape I am is like, could you still do Spanish core if you had to? Oh, Spanish principle is the hardest. Yeah, we talk about, about this a lot. Kidding, obviously, but I do joke it's about so that. Hard. It's so hard. I don't know why. And Dana, no one likes it, and you warm up it, for it, like, but doesn't matter to the audience. We always joke like you can never get off stage fast enough because the audience just stops. Clapping. Yeah, they're just like get out. Yeah, like hey, that was the first ditty. Bye. Like I don't know, candy. What else you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> but Daniel, it's so good because for some reason I ended up being the only person in our group of friends that did not dance lead Spanish. I did Spanish core for 500 years. But um, so Daniel, and always, Daniel especially, who just be like, guys, isn't it the hardest thing? Michael will never know. <laughs> <laughs> he'll never know. He's, he'll never have achieved this peak of <laughs> artistic <laughs> achievement. That's good. I did it. 
Uh, Rebecca was first cast. Wasn't it hard? She was it's first so cast. It's so hard. They See, used, you'll never know. The dresses that we had were so high and tight that when I got off stage, they needed to like rip it off me because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't. Hardest ballet ever. Hardest ballet ever. So even though you have this uh, wealth of knowledge for ballet, um, you are, you have many other interests. You cook, you are, you've written articles about opera. Um, what is it? Why do you feel it's important to have other interests and how does that affect the work you do as a dancer and enrich it? Oh, I had no other interests when I first got into the company. I think that's partially <laughs> why I was so miserable. Uh-huh. I think that um, if you're fortunate enough to like be fast-tracked mm-hmm. <laughs> in like your career, I think that you kind of do need that singular focus. And I've seen you know very young people uh, move along very quickly and the one uh, or get things very quickly in the company and the ones who survive are the ones who kind of just have their blinders on apparently like i don't know what they do when they go home but it seems like they're so focused and i think that i kind of tried to do that for so long but obviously that wasn't my trajectory and i think that um having that level of intense uh like monasticism about ballet made my dancing suffer and made me suffer so i think that at a certain point you just had to realize you know first and foremost you're a person <laughs> right right yeah um what do you think the next step is for you what do you hope to get um from the ballet world and what do you hope to give back um oh god not that it's coming anytime soon but no i mean it might who knows you never know i'm old <laughs> but uh i think the next step will hopefully be something that involves theater, live theater and dance. Um, I think that I would love to give back creatively. And I think that um, I would love to help people look beautiful or at least, you know, help them cultivate the idea of what beauty is to be more in line with what I think it should be. (laughs) But, um, But no, but I think that, you know, I think I've been given a lot and obviously my career is very specific to me. It's not like I, you know, was a star, did all these roles, but I think that there's something to be said by somebody who was um, engaged and curious and watched them. (laughs) And I think uh, seeing a lot of other, seeing a lot of people do them, I think gives you perspective on the overall look of the ballets. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying that I should go out and coach diamonds potato tomorrow or ever, But I think that, you know, there's something that I have to say about those ballets. And I yeah. think that the, what I have to say is valid and uh, useful. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> We're in lightning round now, oh, Daniel. God. What's your favorite ballet to dance, Daniel? Pick one. <laughs> See, we oh, already God. did the top five. I know. Right. Well, any ballet. I don't know. that. It's hard. I mean, I love doing the Times, uh, the Times Racing Potida. I love doing the Five Boys in Rodeo. I love doing Agon. Um, I love doing Allegro. All right, that's four. You are you have enough, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love doing Everywhere We Go. I think no, but I think if I had to pick like a top three, it'd probably be um, Agon, Rodeo, and um, Times Racing Potida. A uh, dream role. <clears throat> I think Orpheus. Oh. I just feel like that's something that feels like it would feel good and be good for me. <laughs> yeah. I have a dream role for Daniel. Okay. Phlegmatic. I want oh. Daniel to do Oh, phlegmatic. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
most memorable onstage moment? I mean, the nice one is the one we discussed. Right. Mm-hmm. But you could be something funny or silly. I don't know if I have anything funny. Like, I mean, you ruined Fourth Moment BZ. Oh, I did. The first time I did Fourth Moment BZ, I ran off stage because there's like two times when you saute the girl and one time you run off. And the sec- the second time you run off and the first time you don't. And I got them confused and I ran back on. Um, That's so good. I also took out a wing when I was an apprentice in Stars and Stripes. Oh. And I remember I was like devastated. And I remember... Evelyn Kosak was with me and she was like, it's not that big a deal. It's fine. And then someone who was at the performance, who was at the school at the time, came up to me and said, someone just took out the wing. Did you see that? It was terrible. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we all do. We all all make mistakes. And I guess other people is. The first time we did Agon, that was memorable because I think I did it. I only had like two days to put that together and then i did polyphonia once the oh, walt couple one and done polyphonia. Yeah. Polyphonia the, couple? Yeah. yeah and i learned that in like See? two and a half hours we could have done it done it all that i love well, next year we'll push yes back. oh my god i would die <laughs> Dan- daniel also i would physically die like, actually yeah i would be like okay that's another flat <laughs> that's another fun one because i did the joke in polyphonia joke pa and Daniel always liked to tell me how much harder and better Waltz is and that I would never know. <laughs> so you guys have a it's really healthy true. relationship. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> what is friendship if you're not putting each other down constantly? <laughs> um, dream ballet to stage. To stage. Oh, God. Well, I guess the one that feels the most comfortable, I, guess, I don't know if it's a dream because I think that the issue with like staging a ballet, I think, is like how much do you have to say about it, and how much do you think you know about it? And I think like in terms of like the balancing rep, I know like my spot really well, or maybe the spots of if it's all like a core thing, like the people around me. And I think like I know. I mean, I think I have an opinion about everything, <laughs> but I think you know I'd be much more confident setting a Justin ballet at this right. point in my career because you know increases I've done that so much. Right. Um, but I think. I don't know if like one day in some like magical universe, I got to set like an agon or something that would mm-hmm. feel really good. Yeah. Uh, you're hosting a dinner party with five guests, dead or alive. Anyone, who are they? Oh God. I feel like I've listened to the podcast and I had a really good answer for this lined up, but then like obviously as soon as... It's there, bam. Yeah. You know, out of your mind. Um, hmm. um, Cecil Beaton... Maybe Vivian Leigh and Laurence Olivier, just because they seem kind of like they'd get messy, and mm-hmm. that would be like a fun thing to witness <laughs> at a dinner party. Uh-huh. Um, so that's we're up to three, and then um, so and then you two, because like I just need oh, people I'm comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, <laughs> you're creating. A, there we an go. Important, yeah. It's all about you know the group. Yeah, yeah. Because I would be, I was thinking like my like people I idolize would maybe not be good i wouldn't oh, be like yeah. balancing and tchaikovsky tchaikovsky be crying in a corner oh. and you know it <laughs> no, wouldn't work out also that great. it's like all like brilliant people and me like i'm just there serving <laughs> dinner then to people who are having a great conversation that i'm listening to uh-huh. so i need like people to like yeah we gotta help keep me it out light. yeah exactly keep it well thanks daniel thanks, that was daniel. so fun Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you take a moment to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we are always posting unique content in honor of each week's guest. And click over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Those five stars really go a long way in helping us continue to grow the podcast and our brand. See you next week 
on Conversations on Dance. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.